Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. I know that you're aware that certain memories lodge in your mind even if you want them gone. It was almost 10 years ago. My sweet Debbie and I were moving from our house out in the country that we had loved for 23 years or so. It was a challenging time. We were in the process of downsizing. I had finished my 30-year assignment at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, and we were down. about 300 of those as I recall it was a challenging time but we were putting our own thumbprint on that new place and you may not know this about me but I'm a legend in my family for tearing up and breaking down I mean if you need a demolition expert you might come to me but that's about it and so on this particular day we were moving into this beautiful living space and there was a fireplace in the corner and there was this mantle, wood mantle, and it was beautiful. And the people from whom we were buying the home had left a beautiful, oh my, a beautiful lamp. Just one of those lamps that you treasure. It was sitting right there on the mantle. Okay, so far so good. I am taking in her grandfather's metal heavy wind-up clock. I mean, this was a monstrous clock about like this, and it was heavy, heavy, heavy. And so I'm being very careful because that's precious too. And so I come in, and I get up on the little step, and I put that very carefully, very carefully. You listening, William? Very carefully up there on that, and, and, and put it up there. And I started to lean back, and just as I did, the mantle started to tip. That was a heavy clock. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw the beautiful lamp start to slide. No way I could get it. Debbie's in the kitchen, getting things arranged, and that lamp falls off, hits the floor, breaks into a million pieces, and I hear a groan from the kitchen. (laughs) I hear a groan from the kitchen. But you know what? She never said a word. She didn't. Why do I tell that story? Sometimes it's hard to think well of others. Can I get an amen on that? Sometimes it's hard. And some of you will know I'm in the second week of a three-part series on God's house rules. And I am emphasizing something to you in those house rules. And it's this. When God's house rules are observed, unity is preserved. That's the heart of the message in this series. And so I did indeed on last week speak about how we ought to always think well of others. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some of you were here last Sunday and I gave you a challenge this last week. You were to go all week long and never think anything but good of other people. I'm not going to ask you how you did. But I will say this. You can do better this coming week. 
And if you persist in this by the grace of God and by the help of God, you can indeed make great progress toward thinking well of others. I failed a couple of times this week. I think it's something about being in the political arena, but I'm not making excuses. It's just sometimes hard to deal with certain things when you're in the public in that way. So, always think well of others. You are responsible for your thinking. And if you are guilty of, think, of stinking thinking, you ought to repent. You got garbage in your brain because you put it there. It's your responsibility. It's not my fault. It's not the deacon's fault. It's not somebody else's fault. It is our fault if we are not minding our minds. So remember again that that first principle is always think well of others. Now in today's message we go back to the Apostle Paul, but this time we're in Ephesians. So if you have a copy of Scripture, first of all, if you have a copy of Scripture in any form, I want you to raise it up right now. That can be a Bible. That can be a, yeah, I see those, uh, uh, those personal digital assistants as well. And by the way, I use mine on a daily basis because I can instantly check a half a dozen or more translations if I'm a little uncertain about how something reads. Okay, so here's what I want. I want to tell you that the fourth chapter of Ephesians is probably, from my perspective, the best relationship advice, the best relationship teaching I've ever seen in any format from anybody. That should not surprise us because it is inspired by God. And in this fourth chapter, and by the way, the fourth and fifth chapter would be a great Two chapters for a couple to read once a day or once a week for the rest of your marriage because it helps you understand how we're to live. Now, was it written primarily for marriages? No. It was written primarily for the church, but it works in every relationship. So if your Bible is open in chapter 4, I want to share with you beginning with verse 25. This is a portion of Scripture that's precious. Verse 25, Therefore... Putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Now, Pay close attention, my brothers and sisters, to verse 29. Let no, everybody say no. no. Anybody not understand that word? Okay. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Pray with me. Father, there is an adversary who comes to steal God's word out of our heart. Let it not be so today, Lord. Let it not be so. May this word 
once again teach me. May this word once again teach your people. Oh, Father, open our ears that we may hear. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace, grace, grace to the hearer. I move quickly to God's house rule number two, and here it is. God's house rule number two is simply this. Always speak well of others. Mm. We move from the mind to the mouth. And the Bible tells us clearly that out of the abundance of the heart, that is out of what's on your inside, the mouth speaks. You need to monitor what comes out of your mouth because it reveals what's in your heart. And the word is so crystal clear here. I love the clarity that Paul brought to this when he said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Always speak well of others. I say this, I probably already said it here, but one of the commitments of my life is that no one, and I mean no one, I mean no one will ever hear me speak negatively about my wife. Ever. I just simply don't do that. And I prefer that she doesn't ever speak negatively about herself. I just don't want that to be there. I want no corrupt communication to come out of my mouth when it comes to my sweet wife, Debbie. In the church family, in the church family, we are called to monitor our mouths. And let me say again something that has meant something to me. And that's this. You can be right. But if you're wrong in the way that you're right, you're wrong even if you're right. Now that'll be in your mind a little bit and some of you are already quarreling with me about it, aren't you? <laughs> but here's what I believe. I believe that if you're wrong in your heart, you can say the right words and still hurt other people. And that's wrong. We are not to let corrupt communication come out of our mouth. What is that? Well, certainly it's that which does not edify. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. I want you to focus for just a minute on one word in the text. I'm going to show it to you. And it is this word in verse number 29. Let no, and here's the word, corrupt. Let no corrupt word. That word corrupt is an interesting word. It means foul. It means unwholesome. It means dirty. It means abusive. Corrupt. One of the meanings of it is putrefying. Rotten. Hey, what's the worst thing you ever smelled? That's what we're talking about here. I happen to know what the worst thing I ever smelled in my life was. We were, my brother and I were 14 months apart. And uh, we had, where we lived down in Dry Holler, 
that runs into Bull Creek, that runs into Lake Tanicomo. We had two chicken houses, both of which had concrete floors in them. And so we took one of those and we cleared everything out of it down to the concrete. We cleaned it up. We both had wagons and we had racetracks. You know what I'm talking about? But in the cleaning process, I found an egg. I think it was brought over by Noah on the ark. I'm not sure. But as a child, I didn't know that. There's this egg there. I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to crack this egg. You may have never had this experience. I pray you never will, Aragon. But I took that egg on that concrete and I hit it about twice and it exploded. It exploded on this little hosey blue, covering me with a stench that I couldn't get rid of. That's what we're talking about here. That is that putrefying, foul, stinking, rotten thing. It's that thing you left in the back of your refrigerator so long ago you don't know what it is. You pop the lid on it and wonder. That's the word here, corrupt. Its very meaning carries with it a stench. Paul is referring to something that stinks to us, but more importantly, it stinks to God. God does not want any of that. He said, Paul did to the Galatian Christians, chapter 5, verse 15, listen to this. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you also consume one another. And he's talking about Christians, not unbelievers. I call what can happen in a church cannibal Christianity. I need to pause there and let that soak in. We bite. We chew on other people. We chew up one another. And it stinks. Sometimes you catch a whiff of it in your home. Sometimes in your classroom at church. Sometimes in the hall. And sometimes in the pastor's office. Sometimes uh, you catch the stench of this stinking language. Things being spoke of others that ought not to be spoken Cannibal Christians. And God says it should not be that way. So here's the question. If I am not to speak that way, then how am I to speak? And I'm going to give you a negative and a positive, and that's basically what I want to share with you, and one of them we've already talked about. Number one, don't speak corruptingly. Don't speak corruptingly. I say again, if you can't think of something good to say, don't say anything at all. I'd had French class in high school at Spokane High School. Folks, I can tell you that was not my favorite class in all the world. I remember almost nothing. This stuck with me. Firma la bouche. If I got it right, it means this. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I think the teacher must have said that to me quite often, Clay. I'm just because it's so firm in my, in my mouth. I want to tell you something. Sometimes God needs to look at the people in his family of God and say, close your mouth. There's a time to speak. There's a time to be silent. I don't doubt that at all. In fact, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But I'm simply saying this. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Let no corrupt communication you said, does that mean that we cannot disagree on anything? Oh, no, no, no. You can certainly disagree. 
If your spirit and your attitude is right, you go to a brother or sister, you sit down, you love on one another, you talk about your differences. You may still have differences when you walk away, but the relationship is preserved. And you love one another. Love is of God. Indeed, the closest we have to a definition is God is love. God is love. Don't speak corruptingly. I might very well say other words to describe that. But it simply is saying don't use words that diminish and demean and destroy other people. Don't use words that tear down. Don't let those words come out of your mouth. Hear me now. Don't speak corruptingly. You know the lie that's in a little poem. Sticks and stones may never hurt me. Or sticks and stones. There you go. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me or never harm me. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Words can never harm me. The greatest harm that ever comes in a relationship are words. Words. Not minimizing anything else, but words are where we injure and hurt every uh, sometimes uh, people that we love and love very much. So don't speak corruptingly. If I had to have a choice of a stick or a sharp tongue, I'd take the stick. And if you say hurtful and cruel and demeaning words to your wife, as one man said, and you do that for 20 years, don't be surprised when you wake up one morning, turn over and don't like what you see. Because you help create that reality. Don't speak corruptingly. Matthew chapter 12 verse 36. I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Oh my word. That's Jesus talking. Matthew 15 11 again, Jesus. Not what goes into your mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. What comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. One more, James chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. These things ought not to be. These things ought not to be. So listen to me for a moment. We have too frequently allowed other people's conduct as our excuse to speak ill, to speak corruptive, demeaning language. And I want to say to you, don't do that. Don't do that in any arena of life. Don't use your spouse. Don't use your pastor. Don't use your president. Don't use anybody as your excuse to disobey God's Word. We are to let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And immediately some of you have said, I can't do that. Yes, you can. And I tell you how to start. Be still. <laughs> and then rest in the Holy Spirit. While I can't control or tame the tongue, the Holy Spirit can. And so I desire and, and ask Him to do exactly that when it comes to what comes out of our mouth. Now, that's the negative because it's in the Scripture. You saw it, didn't you, in verse number 29? Verse number 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But now the positive here comes with the next phrase. But what is good? Everybody say good. good. For necessary edification. 
I hope you know that term all right, because it just simply is from the world of construction. It's from the building industry, if you will. Edification. The language of the carpenter's trade. It speaks of someone who is always engaged in the act of building someone else up. Tomorrow I will assist in the funeral for a dear lady named Hazel Lauderdale. If I'm not mistaken, tomorrow's her birthday. And when I saw that, I thought, oh my, to have the funeral on her birthday. And then my second thought was, what a great birthday celebration she's having right now. First birthday in heaven. And I'm so thankful for Hazel. Hazel went on many mission trips with us. Her husband was an elder in the church where I served, Jim Lauderdale. Wonderful Christian couple. And she was so, so powerfully impactful upon our lives. And I asked Debbie on the way down here, I said, what do you think of when you think of her? She said, well, she was feisty. And I said, yes, that's true. But you know what I thought of? I thought of how encouraging she was. And she was encouraging to children. We've got pictures of her dancing on the mission field with one of our granddaughters. She was encouraging to young adults. She would have young mothers into her home, help them learn how to cook and mentor them in a lot of ways. She was that kind of person. She was always building other people up. And I cannot think of anything much greater than you being an encourager. So we are not to speak corruptingly. So how are we to speak? Well, we are to speak constructively. Do speak constructively. Do you know the power of your word? The power of your words to build somebody else up? To let them know how much you appreciate them? I thought this morning as we were in the musical portion of the service, I thought this morning... How I believe that worship occurs when we recognize and rightly respond to God's revelation. Can I say that again? We recognize and rightly respond to God's revelation. By the way, that response will look different with different people. Make sure you understand that. Everybody should not act like Hosey Blue. I'm a little strange sometimes. You should act like you, but a liberated you, whatever that would mean. But here's what I do know. I do know every song we sang this morning was heavy with revelation. And as we responded to that from our heart, as we responded to that, then there was a building up going on, not only in ourselves, but one another. We're to, we're to edify one another in our singing. We are to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And how I thank God for James and for the team that was here because they were doing a marvelous job of focusing our attention on heaven. So I thank God for that. And you ought to do all you can to encourage the folks that are doing that or waiting at the door when I came in or whatever it may be. I love those kind of biblical words. Biblical words build me up. I love those. I love faith words. They build me up. Visionary words. I love them. Encouraging words. I love them. Helpful words. I love them. People saying, I am praying for you. I love that. I love supportive words. I love correcting words. Correcting words when the heart's right. When the heart's right. 
When we had children in the home, my philosophy was, was this. Don't ever correct my children unless you love them. Because there's people that will do that. <laughs> but if you love them, perfectly all right to correct our children. I want you to know that those are the kind of words that build up. Never underestimate the power of your words. House rule number two. Always speak well of others. So now we are to the summary of what I've said in this brief series. And I want to take just a moment to mention it again. The first one was always think well of others. And to do that... I said it last week, you've got to deal honestly with the enemies within you. And those enemies within you, conceit and pride and all of that that goes along with selfish ambition, you've got to deal with that. And then you deal humbly with the people around you. That came out of Philippians, as you might recall. And I want to say, we are to always think well of others. We are to mind our minds. But then we are to always, always speak well of others. One of my favorite prayers, Lord, bless what you can bless and change the rest. And I can pray that for myself and I need that prayer because there's things need to be changed. I can pray that for you. I can pray that prayer for you even if you see something differently. You may be right. I may be wrong. Lord, bless what you can bless and change the, re the rest. Rule number one, always think well of others. Rule number two, always speak well of others. Mind your mind and mind your mouth. Now, if we do that, we'll build up the body of Christ. If we fail to do that, we'll become cannibal Christians. When God's house rules are observed, unity is preserved. Bow your heads with me. We'll pray and we'll have a time for you. You may need to come to the altar and deal with your mouth. Let's pray. Standing on your feet for just a moment if you can, if you're physically able. If not, that's perfectly all right. So Lord, I come before you today wanting to live by the house rules set down by the Apostle Paul. And Father, this word has long been in my heart. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification. Lord, I want every word that comes out of my mouth to be a word that can bless somebody else. It could be the person who is waiting on us if we eat out. It could be the person we work beside that truly uh, it tests us to think well of them and to speak well. Father, help us to do so. And help us to speak well of others even when they're not around. That may be the real testing of that. And Father, I pray that we will acknowledge that we can build each other up in the holy faith. And that's part of presenting the body of Christ prepared for Jesus Christ's coming. Father, thank you again for this day, for these good people I've come to love already. And help me, Father, to speak the truth, but to speak that truth in love. In Jesus' name, amen.